0: Well, hello everybody and welcome back to the Grace Nerds Podcast. It has been a minute, hasn't it?
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah, it has. It
0: has. What's it been? I think I think my last like video upload was <laughs> like uh <laughs> according to YouTube, like um three weeks ago, and that wasn't even the live oh, wow. stream. That was my movie review. Um, yeah. and so yeah, I think we've been, it's been about a month for various reasons. That sounds about mostly right. the holidays, nothing unusual, but uh yeah, yeah that's- yeah, I think
1: it's like a string of holiday stuff. You know, you throw in there that you've got like all sorts of these like programs and I don't know, all the all the stuff that makes the holiday season busy.
0: Yes, indeed. Let me uh share the podcast on my uh on my Facebook feed here. I never do this. We really should. <laughs> <laughs> uh join us or die. Share. There we go. All right. So, um, are we ready? Indeed. I will hit the intro. All right. So, as I said, welcome everyone to the Grace Nerd's podcast. My name is Eric. This is my friend Caleb, if you're new. Make sure that you go ahead and like and subscribe and all that good stuff. If you're watching now or in the future, let's see if my, my special little button works here. Yay. There we go. All right. So, um, we've got, uh, I'd say three segments planned tonight and, uh, we're going to basically be getting into the Christmas spirit a little bit. I think, um, we're going to have our movie of the week. Uh, I think we're going to skip trivia this week. We may still have it in the future a bit, but we'll we'll see what happens, but, uh, we'll have our sort of news headline, which is not going to be as Christmas related (laughs) really at (laughs) all. Um, but it'll be interesting. We're a little bit late to the game on the news story, but it's given us, uh, I think a good, um, sort of, uh, overarching view of things, which is good, uh, better anyways. So, um. Yeah, we'll have, uh, we'll have our news headline and then we'll have our theology corner, which will be back to some holiday talk, I would say. So are we ready to dive into our movie of the week? I think so. Okie doke. Alrighty. So Caleb, what are we talking about this week?
1: We are talking about the beloved holiday classic It's a Wonderful Life.
0: My lips bleeding, Bert. All right. <laughs> so how do you like this movie? Do you like do you enjoy this movie? Um, so this is a tough
1: one for me. Um it was years before I finally watched this movie. Uh-huh. And I enjoyed it. And then I think because of just Christmas traditions that my wife and I have I think I kind of got over it a little bit. Oh, well, um, that's, I just,
0: that's just yeah. blasphemy. Are you crazy? I know,
1: I know it is, right? You can't um, get
0: sick of this movie.
1: It hasn't made its way back into our yearly repeat for a couple years. So yeah. I mean, it's probably due, but... Um, I have yet to consistent. watch
0: it this year, so I probably okay. should soon. We're pretty
1: consistent in like watching the same Christmas movies every year. Um, so it's probably probably time to put it back in the rotation
0: maybe we should talk about ooh, okay so this is this one well I can't say I've watched it every year uh, but I've watched it plenty of times plenty of Christmases mm-hmm. um, another one that I've seen plenty of times growing up with my mom was Alistair Sims uh, Christmas Carol oh, okay. have you ever seen that the the, I haven't, Al- the Alistair sim Christmas Carol
1: I haven't seen that one um, the one that we typically watch um, was done in the 70s and mm-hmm. it in – well, maybe it was. I don't know. Let me Google real quick. I'll get oh, back yeah. to you on that
0: one. <laughs> yeah, well, the, I only say that because maybe while we're still in Christmas spirit, if we do one more show before Christmas, uh, which I don't know if we will, but if we do, I would re- highly recommend you watch Alistair Sims' Christmas Carol, and then we can talk about A Christmas Carol. That would be a fun, oh. that'd be so a fun one. So his is
1: 1951.
0: Yeah, it's an oldie. It's it's so good. It's like, it is the best Christmas Carol you'll ever see.
1: So we watched the one that actually had, um, his name. Well, I, this is embarrassing because I should absolutely know this. Uh-huh. <laughs> he, he played Obi One. Cano- Alec Guinness. Alec Guinness. Wow, okay, that was that was like super embarrassing. Oh no, uh,
0: I can't say I've heard of that one.
1: Uh, it's Albert Finney in it. Uh, and it's
0: just called Scrooge. Okay, I've probably heard of it. Yeah,
1: yes. it's it's an interesting one. Uh, has an interesting take on uh, hell, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> it's interesting. It's the only reason that's the yearly one is because that's the one Schnell likes. So yeah, well,
0: you gotta watch the Alistair Sim one just for, to check for, it out. for my sake and show her, maybe it'll become her new favorite. Yeah. It's my mom's favorite and it is okay. like the best I've ever seen. So, well,
1: my favorite currently is the Muppets.
0: Christmas oh, come card. on. Now get out of here with that <laughs> nonsense. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's fine. It's I, I think good. I, I think I saw that once. But <laughs> eh, eh. All right. That's so anyways, music. anyways, back to, it's a wonderful life. Um, so, uh, The getting over it uh, aside, um, like what was your first feeling about the movie when you first watched it? Did you enjoy it? I did. Yeah, Yeah. so
1: the first time I watched it, I did enjoy it. It just took me years to get to. Um, Mm -hmm. I do recall, I want to say my dad watching it a couple times as a kid, seeing him watch it, but never sitting down and watching it with him. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe it was just on in the background or something. And uh, yeah, but I, I enjoyed it. I think the first time I saw it, I saw it in its original black and white, all that good stuff.
0: I think I'm trying to think if I've ever seen it colorized. Maybe once. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, the the colorized version of it,
1: you know, it's pretty, pretty hokey. The the colorization that they did. Yeah. Um. So the black and white is actually better, I think. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Usually go with the
0: original. Come on.
1: Yeah. yeah, I I enjoy it. Um. I think it 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 there was a lot of. Uh, tension in that film, you know, mm-hmm. like it's it has a good range of emotions, which I, I mm-hmm. think is good. But I think that also might have been one of the reasons why I kind of needed a break was because of the like every time I watched it, with like I get so anxious, like <laughs> waiting for the end, you know. And
0: yeah, every time, like uh every time, what unc- what's what's the what's his name, Uncle Billy or whatever. Yeah. He, yeah. He, loses the money in the newspaper it's like if only you know now okay i'll throw this in here as an aside have you ever seen the snl sketch where they oh i want to okay hold on a second here (laughs) hold on a second here (laughs) i okay i have to do this i i have i might risk a bit of a a copyright claim here i don't know (laughs) but uh i'm recording this so you know it's not that bad let me uh open up our all right, I, I don't want to spoil this article we're going to look at, but, <laughs> but we're going to talk the politics of the movie as well a little bit. Um, but let me see here. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life, SNL. Uh, SNL. There it is. Okay. This was uh, Dana Carvey back in the day.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, tonight marks an historic, Ooh, I don't not so unique it. moment in the history of both television and cinema.
0: All right, so basically, well, well, I, we won't watch the whole Here thing, risk a co- copyright strike. A so deleted scene. So do you remember, at the end of uh, It's a Wonderful Life, um, Mr. Potter never gets his comeuppance, does he? No. Because he, he takes that money, he never gives it back, and no one finds out he stole it, right? But that actually was in the movie, but it was a deleted scene, don't you know? <laughs> and SNL found it, right?
2: right? We wouldn't have a roof over I, our head if I it don't wasn't for you, audio. George. <laughs> oh, thanks, Dave. Oh, thank you. Oh, oh. Pardon me.
0: Oh. Harry? Oh. Hello. Harry. home, oh. Harry. Oh. Hello. Harry. Oh. Merry Christmas, George. Now wait a minute, everybody. I've got a telegram here I want to read. Okay, no wait. you oh.
3: give it to? No wait. Now, okay. I just called Clarence at the bank. He told me that old man Potter deposited exactly 8000
0: dollars right after. Now there might be a little bit of language here. I can't remember. This is SNL. But uh I left. It was him! It was, well,
3: what are we waiting for? Let's go
0: get
4: it!
0: <laughs> here he comes. Alright, and then they uh Wait a second, I'll give you the money back. I don't want the and so they beat they beat up mr potter so there you go just thought i'd uh throw that in as an aside uh, it always makes me laugh when i think about it but anyways <laughs> So, um, anyways, where were we? What brought that on? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know. What what, what did bring the, that on?
0: Oh, you were talking about the suspense that you feel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, how we feel, <laughs> how you feel when, uh, I don't think we're going to copyright strike there. I skipped around a lot. Dad, you're, my dad's commenting on, uh, editing it out. I don't, I don't think we'll have to. I think we'll be okay. But, um. Anyways, yeah, we always feel that emotion in the movie that it gets like so stressful towards the end every time you watch it. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. So what? Uh, okay. So we're probably going to talk about you know the spiritual themes here, but it is kind of funny. Like we've talked so much about uh, politics to a certain extent, um, particularly certain themes. Um, Strangely enough they might come up again a little bit here in a bit. <laughs> and they're kind of connected to the spiritual themes. Um but what what how would you relate this movie to Christianity? It's not hard. I mean there's an overt spiritual element throughout the movie. Yeah. Um how how sound is it? I mean it's kind of supposed to be a little whimsical, but how the whimsicalness aside, like the the themes yeah. that it touches on touch you know you can think whatever about the angels and yeah, uh, yeah. Clarence and all that and <laughs> I mean, whatever. I, I don't make much of it, but um, right. I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe it works that way a little bit. It's not necessarily, I don't know. But what do you think? Yeah,
1: I think um, as far as just like some basic uh, themes, I think good triumphing over evil in the end, although um, I never really considered the fact that Potter doesn't really ever... You never see a resolution with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, good ultimately triumph over evil. Um, you see, you know, really the community they're rallying around. Mm-hmm. Uh, George, all that good stuff. Um, you know, George is a guy that makes a lot of sacrifices for others. Um, you know, loves his community, loves his family. Um, obviously, he goes through a really dark time here in the movie. Um and he struggles to do the right thing, but in the end, you know, he does the right thing. Yeah. And
0: uh, I think it's kind of poetic Potter, not getting his comeuppance per se. He does by nature of who he is. Yeah, yeah. In that, you know, even though, um, even though everything could be pinned on, um, could be pinned on George Bailey for his screw up as it were, like everything he did through his life had resolution in that it, yeah. he, his friends that he took care of for his whole for his whole life. Wouldn't just let him go like that. They wouldn't just believe something like that about him because of the way he lived his whole life. Whereas, you know, Potter kind of got a win in the end, but the way he lived Mm. his whole life, it was no help to him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that's sort of the, I guess the point in a sense, you don't, he doesn't need to get beat up his, just his very existence came to a point where it, but it, it was its own punishment, you know, it's kind of interesting um however back when this movie came out uh there was uh there were some political turmoil going on uh in that era and it led to some questions about this movie um and i think they're honestly i think they're worthwhile questions even though some people might find this kind of silly um it does kind of cause me to ask you know What should we think about this? So I'm going to bring up a Snopes article actually. Um, and, uh, by judging by the title of the article, um, it'll sort of spark the topic a little bit. Uh, so let's, uh, let's take a look here. Let me jump over here and this should just work if I go like this. All right. Did the FBI once deem it's a wonderful life, communist propaganda? Why Why would they do this? What, do you remember the history surrounding this? Maybe you can give us a little summary.
1: Yeah, so this would have been uh, the age of McCarthyism and the Red Scare and mm-hmm. um, Hollywood. What was that
0: for the total noobs?
1: Yeah, so um, so what if this year was... Uh, this was in the 40s, year, wasn't it? The 40s, yeah. So um, McCarthy was a... Maybe after, I don't know. Was he a senator or congressman? Uh,
0: I feel he like was some, in politics. Yeah, senator, <laughs> I think senator. I don't, eh. Yeah, make me feel so, ignorant when you ask me the difference between the two. But.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so i I remember listening to a podcast about him recently, and um, he kind of got his start into this, hoping to make a name for himself. So he was okay with being a little bit crazy, um, because he was trying to be. You know, he was trying to climb this, the political ladder, you know, and this was going to mm-hmm. get his name out there. So
0: he would threaten You might throw in some details here that I don't know about, so continue, yeah, Maybe, you never know.
1: He would threaten people with, um, you know, legal action um, if he, you know, it, that they were on some list that he had secretly from the FBI of all known communists in the country. And so mm-hmm. he really caused a scare... Um, in the nation because people started to go like, you know, is my neighbor a communist? You know, my dad, my dad
0: said Senator, but he's going to check. Okay. I Um, think, I think the term Senator McCarthy sounds right.
1: It does, but you never know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) anyways, continue.
0: (laughs) Um,
1: and so, you know, people were really fearful of, um, being brought under charges from him. Mm -hmm. And, uh. There was a lot of people in Hollywood who were um, getting put on this supposed list. And the interesting thing is, I don't really know if there actually ever was a list. I think that's oh. been debated or not. You know, uh-huh. I, If I remember that part correctly, I, I, right. I may be wrong again, but um, it kind of was just at his whim, you know, yeah. whether somebody was actually on the list or not, but... Mm-hmm. Um, in the course of it, he probably did expose a good number of actual communists uh-huh. uh, because people started to kind of rat others out. And I think that's really start what started taking place in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you had informants that were basically ratting others out. Um, perhaps a an odd mark in history is when uh, Walt Disney kind of was uh, one of those who was not on the side of uh, being accused of being a communist. Um, he kind of was on the opposite side of uh, being uh, one of those guys who would out certain communists mm-hmm. and whatnot. So that's an interesting mm-hmm. earmark in yeah. history. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, so it, it really wasn't surprising when you sent the the article over that this would have fit that era right. um, when writers, producers, directors, um were kind of and of course actors and actresses uh were we're being accused of communist propaganda.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so here's the thing. Um uh McCarthy from all I can tell, I mean, everyone seems unified the fact that he was pretty over the top. Uh yeah. and uh it was a pretty tyrannical period in a lot of ways uh because of this. Um, that said, it wasn't a fake scare because just because right. he was over the top doesn't mean there was no communist influence. There were overt self-avowed, uh, communists in Hollywood at the time. If you ever watched the movie Trumbo, uh, it was an enjoyable movie, but they actually paint the communists, uh, pretty sympathetically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, uh, who, who, was the star of that? Brian Cranston played Trumbo. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, definitely, definitely well-produced movie, very enjoyable, but, uh, again, um, seems to have a pretty lefty agenda in it uh kind of proving mccarthy's point a little bit maybe <laughs> as maybe. to where hollywood has ended up these days but you know again i'm not you know not, don't want to overstate that but uh <laughs> um but anyways so let's look at this article a little bit so you can get why they say this and the reason i want to do this is because like not to make too much commentary on the mccarthy era but to ask about the themes that they noticed in here that made them ask that question. Okay. Cause it is interesting. Um, did the FBI once deem it's a wonderful life, communist propaganda? So the answer is mostly true from Snopes. Uh, some say Snopes has a political agenda too, which uh, is, uh, arguable, <laughs> but <laughs> we'll, uh, leave that aside. Cause this is, seems relatively, uh, innocuous in fact based here. They have some good citations. Um. What's true? As part of a sweeping investigation of communist infiltration into the motion picture industry, FBI, ag- FBI agents in the 1940s including, or included It's a Wonderful Life in a list of motion, picture, motion pictures disclosing communist propaganda therein, claiming two of its writers were friendly with known communists, quote unquote, and saying the film used communist tricks, such as portraying the businessman, Mr. Potter, as a villain. However, what is false? The FBI did not in a formal or official manner declare or designate. It's a wonderful life to be communist propaganda. Um, so it wasn't official, but it was in, I guess, investigated, uh, considered, um, during the 2021 holiday season, internet users enthusiastically shared articles and posts that described a fast, uh, a fascinating episode from the history of a classic American Christmas movie. It's a wonderful life. Um, On December 21st, for example, the London Independent reported that It's a Wonderful Life was once considered communist propaganda by the FBI, while various outlets shared their own accounts of the story. Those accounts were broadly accurate and based on high-quality primary documentary evidence. Although the FBI did not ever formally as an institution declare It's a Wonderful Life to be communist propaganda, FBI agents and informants investigated the movie and the people behind it as such. As part of a sweeping investigation ordered by Bureau Director J. Edgar Hoover, a special agent in 1949 included the film in a list of motion pictures disclosing communist propaganda therein. We are issuing a rating of Mostly True. That description of the movie, which was released in December 1946, can be found in an archived and redacted copy of the FBI report on communist infiltration into the motion picture industry, available here. Specifically, can be found on page 12 of the ninth of uh, 15 dossiers released under the Freedom of Information Act at some point in the ensuing decades. Let's see. Uh, All right. But it's not specifically clear who wrote It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, Interesting. So uh, from what I read in here, basically, um, they show that at the very least, like writers and producers of the movie were friends with some communists. Mm -hmm. There was some evidence of them communicating with each other. Question is, uh, was that the intention in the themes of the movie? Um, what I found, I don't know how, how how quick we want to dive into it. I'm just trying to think. What I found is, have you ever heard of a? Uh, well, most people haven't heard of it. I think this is original with James Lindsay, the uh, sort of uh, current uh, political commentator, anti anti communist podcaster, you might say. Um, he talks about the Mott and Bailey form of argumentation uh, that you might have with someone. Um, now, I, I'm i going to butcher this, but basically it's a, it's sort of castle combat imagery historically. We have the Mott and you have the Bailey. And I can't remember which is which, but basically you have your, your very defensible castle, um, your castle walls. And it's a very safe place to lob attacks from without being harmed, but you don't make as much progress on the battlefield that way. But then you go down into the field in a more dangerous position where you can advance, but you're in more danger. Okay. So this is an illustration imagery for a form of argumentation that, um, certain political activists will use. Uh, James Lindsay talks about this a lot when he talks about Marxists and culture, where they have a, um, a very defensible position that they'll use in a more popular level. Like for example, I care about people. I care about the poor. Don't you? Hmm. Very defensible position that no one's going to disagree with, right? But then you turn your back. They come down to the more dangerous position. I can't remember. Like again, one's the one's the Bailey, and I can't remember which (laughs) means what. But um, basically, they come down to the when you're not looking, they come down to the more dangerous position that has more radical goals. And then when you turn around and say, "Hey, hey, you're actually saying this," like, "No, we're just saying this." They go back behind the defensible position again. And so if this is true about It's a Wonderful Life, for instance, the themes are very agreeable to uh, Christianity, I would say, in that you see a generous man who lives for his community, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Something very defensible, very clearly Christian, like thinking of others above yourself, giving of your own resources. um, And uh, it's very Christian, the dangers of wealth, the dangers of corruption among the rich and how not to show favoritism toward the rich and how the rich should be generous. Those are all biblical themes. Mm -hmm. Um, but the way that generally gets, uh, uh, sort of hijacked by a Marxist per se is that, uh, in order to fight these, um, quote unquote sins that, uh, Christians would call sins or to promote these virtues, they'll try to, you know, enshrine them into law through, you know, Re- like authoritarian re- redistribution systems. That's what they do while your back is turned, but then you turn around and say, what are you doing? No, we just love people. Right. Mm. So that's the Mott and Bailey sort of principle. Right. Interesting. But, um, yeah. And so the question is, is that's what's ha- what's happening here with, it's a wonderful life. I don't know. <laughs> uh, right. I don't, I don't right. know. what you. How, how would you be able to prove that? Because there's nothing in the movie about political, uh, about you know government economic systems, it's just a man showing this generosity. Yeah. Um, and com- but the thing is, communists will praise the idea of the socialist man, uh, who basically like uh, abandons all individual ambition and his entire, you know, makeup is for uh, the social good. Basically, right. Yeah. And so it's um, if it's subversive, it's pretty darn clever. But if it's not subversive, it's a darn good set of christian principles that are in the movie. Um yeah. and so how how can we differentiate between the two when we're talking as christians do you think?
1: Well, I think it's interesting because you there is the distinct possibility that those working on the film could have had um influence maybe leave it at that for now, mm-hmm. influence of these things. And so they might put it in in certain ways like, you know, painting the wealthy elite as the villain Mm -hmm. just based on that alone um power power struggles there um the rich and the oppressed and all that Mm -hmm. stuff and yet at the same time they might stumble upon some common grace elements of good versus evil and and those kind of things so Mm -hmm. um storytelling i think during this era hadn't got quite as driven by some of the more, I don't know. Maybe I haven't watched enough movies to say that completely, but I don't, I don't feel like some of these earlier films were as driven by those agendas as they are today. Maybe they mm-hmm. were influenced at times, but not so much driven. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas now I think sometimes it's just blatant. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I guess, I guess I really can't say that for certain, but um, that's my feeling on it. Mm-hmm. Um. I think the elements that do appear as far as being noble Christian themes, um, I I think you can, especially with a film like that, you can embrace them, you can see them for what they are, and maybe be aware that you are starting to see some of the influences of these other worldviews into things like this. Um, It is interesting, like I was just kind of was quickly looking it up and it, you mentioned uh, Trumbo, yeah. Dalton Trumbo was the name. He mm. actually did write a draft of this film. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah. What?
1: It, yeah. So the ownership of the rights exchanged hands multiple times, and so at one point in time, he did work on a version that was ultimately scrapped. Okay. Um, he in that draft, ironically, George Bailey is an idealistic politician. Oh. grows more cynical as the story progresses and that... after losing an election he tries to commit suicide uh yeah <laughs> so so the world there was politics rather than business. all this
0: capitalism has got me so cynical i just yeah. oh
1: so it makes you wonder though like what could have been part of it may have influenced what ultimately came out mm-hmm. um though it was scrapped I don't I guess I really I can't say for sure because I really don't know how much made it through um when Fank, Frank Capra got a hold of it
0: mm-hmm. um evidence is mounting that there may be some uh...
1: yeah there at, at the bare minimum I would say there's some influence
0: <laughs> there's some influence yeah but it's like it's 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 in this weird era where it's like it I don't know if, I don't know if it's the era or just the way the, the amount of hands in the kitchen or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it just, it's like it landed in this sort of weird middle place where again, there's no overt. Uh, I mean, there's sure some, uh, tropes in there that yeah could come from various motives about rich people or whatever. But, um, in the end, all you have is the, an example of a selfless man. Yeah. Right? That, and, like it, it allow it does allow for a different lenses to see it different ways. And sort of the overt, the overt Christian spiritual elements of it sort of lend it to probably having Christians want to grab hold of it more. And I don't think they'd be wrong to do so, you know, because um, mm-hmm. uh, there's there's no uh, imperatives in there until you bring them yourself. Um, yeah. In regards to how to accomplish these virtues in a person, you know. Yeah. yeah. It does appear that Capra.
1: Did a lot of work to this the screenplay. Mm-hmm. Apparently, so much that the people who are attributed as writers despised him. And <laughs> you know, like, so what do we know
0: about what do we know about Capra?
1: I, I it doesn't sound like he was a wonderful guy. It sounds like one of those guys that just has to have his fingers on everything, micromanages <laughs> every detail. Yeah, I, I, I remember reading something about the guy a couple of years ago and uh i guess because this movie is like you know so popular and you know all that i i guess i, I thought that he was more of an established filmmaker and i think he i think he struggled for a while yeah um, i guess
0: from what i heard this movie really was not successful initially it it became no. more of a classic over time yeah
1: like it 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 sunk the production company. Oh my um, gosh. Yeah, like there there was a lot of drama with it, you know, mm-hmm. beyond the beyond the film. It's uh, kind of
0: like uh, I mean I've heard of a couple movies that way uh, that were kind of like that. Um, well, I don't know if they were that bad, but like uh, Shawshank Redemption, for instance, not successful in the box office, but then it became like the most rented movie like ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so some movies take time to really to really yeah, catch yeah. up. Um, yeah, I, 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 in all honesty, it's like we're diving into the potential motives behind the movie, the potential issues from its original, uh, you know, political writers or whatever. But uh, even if all of it's true, it's like I can't help but almost cry at the end every every time I watch it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, I, it it does resonate. Uh, call it common grace, call it whatever you want. Um, it still resonates with me. Um, I can't get over that. But the, the funny thing about it now, though, is um, it's like you go back to the 90s. If you were to bring up all this communist stuff, people would be like, no, that's ridiculous. There's no way this movie has communist influence or whatever. Yeah. It may or may not. But the, the thing is now uh, with a lot of the youths, as it were, uh, coming out of college and whatever, like if you told them this movie might have like Marxist influence, they'd be like, oh, well, good that right. makes me like it more you know Yeah. <laughs> which is unfortunate but you know state of things at the moment
1: ironically you know it exists whether it was or wasn't it exists in a world that is totally dependent upon capitalism um mm-hmm. you know sort of the a, irony you
0: know, of hollywood in general these days
1: yeah exactly
0: yeah so it was produced by
1: liberty uh pictures liberty liberty films Mm -hmm. uh frank capra was one of the the founders of it this movie bankrupted it they lost so much money off of this film even though the film actually did win some academy awards and whatnot um it i guess it goes to show you that not everything that wins an award is um, actually well received right um it in its release it, it bombed at the the box office and so Mm by 1947 it was bankrupt or sell they sold to paramount and by 1951 it was closed down it was defunct paramount shut it down um yeah so uh you know frank capra went on to do a couple other movies and whatnot he had a, a career and all that but this this film company only made two movies as an independent film company it was it's a wonderful life and state of the union
0: state of the union guess that would be an interesting yeah. yeah that would
1: be an interesting thing to check into like yeah. what was that movie like
0: yeah so uh all right so in summary before we move <laughs> on to some uh, completely different uh, <laughs> well we're going to continue on with some political stuff you might say but uh <laughs> very very different um any any closing thoughts in regards to this relationship between this uh, and Christianity, politics, the yeah. whole hodgepodge. What do you think?
1: Um, as far as this film directly and its influence with um, or its tones and types and whatever that, that are part of Christianity, mm-hmm. um, you know, sacrifices are indeed a part of life, and as as believers, as Christians, we are mm-hmm. called to love one another. We're called to put others before ourselves, and the gospel of grace enables us to do that. Let well,
0: yeah, me um, let me let me interrupt you. Well, yeah. Well, you're, I hate to interrupt when you are talking about the gospel of grace because this is not that's <laughs> not the question that's not the question I was going to ask. But yeah. um, yeah, I, I guess I should have before summarizing. I guess I should have made this more of a main question. Uh, but it, I guess it's, it's a good it's a good sort of yeah. final final question. Maybe what what is the relationship between Christianity and individual ambition or the thereof? Because mm-hmm. That is sort of a big enemy of uh, socialism, basically. Yeah. Um, it, like, uh, have you ever seen um, it's uh, Have you ever seen A Beautiful Mind?
1: I have. It's been a long time, but you, I have.
0: You can kind of see um, Ron Howard's lefty opinions seep in a mm-hmm. little bit. Um, I, I mean, he was, I guess, being true to the uh, ec- uh, economic opinions and influences of the actual person the movie's about, but. Okay. Um, the, the beginning of the movie, he's arguing with his classmates about, um, what's his name? Adam Smith. Um, and, uh, are basically saying individual ambition serves the common good. That was sort of the free market mm-hmm. argument. And then he wanted to moderate that basically. Uh, and, and so that's sort of what's, if this has a, if it has communist influence, um, you can see how that influences their view of george bailey's ambitions the whole beginning of the movie sure. he's like i want to see the world i want to build buildings i want to you know do all these amazing things and time after time after time he has to sacrifice it over and over and over again um yeah. and so there's a communist interpretation of that and there's a christian interpretation of that yeah yeah what's the difference between the two
1: well i would say you know i guess i guess for me personally i'm, I'm i don't know if. How well I can speak to the communist interpretation of that. I would say for the person, like the Christian interpretation of that. I would say um, that it's it's coming from a place of love for you know the people that are a part of his life. He wants to do better for them. He uses the resources he has and his giftings as you know running uh, the business and loan um, operation. Um, forget what it was called, the name of their. Their family business was. Um, he he uses that and his ability to run that uh, for the betterment of others. Um, I I think that all of that could be twisted under communism. But the way that I would say it is, personal ambition doesn't necessarily go away. God gifts us all very uniquely. Each one of us has giftings and talents, and and are called into different spheres of life. Vocation I think is something that's not clearly taught these days. Vocation has some sense of calling involved in it. So I believe that God gifts people to do certain things. And not all of that means like ministry roles. Sometimes that means like people are really actually gifted for business and, and various things like that. Um and so I think part of the sacrifices that we see in this film that go along with that is you know, it's not all about building up the self. It's not all about my empire. Um, He uses the resources and tools that he has uh, for the betterment of his brother, the betterment of um, those in his community that he cares about. He's willing to sacrifice his hopes and dreams. uh, But at the same time, it's not like the, the politicized view of that. Like, he's not... He's not sacrificing everything of himself for the greater good of, uh, I guess, the socialist agenda. The he's, state. Right. The, you don't see any of that, really, in my mm. opinion, but you do see him caring for others, which is, I think, a gospel message. You know, we we are called to love one another and, and use the things that God has given us, the giftings he's given us, talents... Um, you look at the parable of the talents i was just looking at that the other day um you know the master in that parable um representing christ tells these um servants to use the giftings that they've had uh to to use his resources wisely mm-hmm. and you can tell like in the end of it the ones that knew the master the ones that had faith in who he was knew he was going to return used those resources wisely while the one at the end you know who buried it in a in a grave or whatever buried it in a field or something and forgot about the master um he he honestly didn't believe in him he didn't he didn't have faith that the master was going to return so Kind of his thought is, well, at the end of the day, I still got this coin, even if he never comes back, I've got it. It's just buried somewhere, I'll go back and get it. Um, And and he doesn't know him, you see it, he's like, you know, you're a harsh master. He didn't know him, you Mm -hmm. know, he didn't believe him, he didn't really truly know him, otherwise he would have gone and done the very thing he was asked to do. So all that to say, um, God equips us for lots of different things, people have different Giftings, talents. I don't think there's anything wrong with using business acumen. Um, there's a big word for me. Uh, mm-hmm. Business acumen to to be successful, you know, to build a life. As long as there's a sense of uh, generosity um, born out of grace and and gratitude mm-hmm. uh, that comes along with
0: that. Yep. All right. I think that's a pretty good summary. Pretty good. Pretty good analysis. I don't have too much to add to that really um
1: i feel like i rambled but i have a tendency
0: no um yeah i think god god does make people to differ in their wealth i think and that's Mm -hmm. okay um it depends on what you do with it really yeah um and is your motive going to be loved in the midst of all of it is your motive going to be centered around the gospel and um I'd say, yeah, you did point out, I think, a distinction there between, um, you know, sort of the the state-centered socialist, you know, uh, sort of thing versus uh, being centered around your actual community. I think there's a distinction there, and you can see it in the movie to an extent where um, George Bailey does focus, like, I mean, scripturally, it says that the one who doesn't provide for the needs of his household or for the household of, like, what well, of his household is worse than an unbeliever, but then it talks about caring for the household of faith. Um, yeah. But then ultimately everyone, but there is an order of priority. And yeah. that's basically what you see in the movie. He's not like, he's not a statist in his actions. Um, right.
1: He, Which I would say is the the delusional part, maybe delusional is the wrong word, the, the hypocrisy, the lie that comes with communism and my understanding of it is, sure it's it's cloaked in taking care of others you know like you said a little bit earlier you know this mm-hmm. love for brothers you know our comrades uh, as they probably would say uh mm-hmm. in arms um uh, but the reality is who who actually is benefiting from it mm-hmm. it it actually still is the elite that yeah. are benefiting from it
0: yeah yeah all right. Yeah, I think it's a pretty good summary. We'll spend about 40 minutes on that. So, hey, it's about. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, we'll probably go a little quicker on the second part here. But are you ready for our headline of the week? Sure. All right. Okay, we're about to take, a, I'd say, a bit of a darker turn here. I would say. <laughs> um, so, I'm embarrassed at how uh, familiar I am with this story, given how fascinated I was with it. But how familiar are you? How familiar are you with uh, all that's been going on with uh, Yay, formerly known as Kanye West? So I've read um, a
1: handful of articles. Um. I think I followed it, maybe not as recent. More, more when things were kind of first coming to light. I think I caught bits and pieces of the Alex Jones interview. I, I saw when he got kicked off of Twitter, mm-hmm. um, or at least suspended. I, don't, I guess I don't know if he's back yet, but eh, um,
0: not, not looking like it's going to happen anytime yeah. soon. Yeah.
1: So I I think I've missed some things, but um, I'm not surprised by.
0: (laughs) That's another story we'll have to revisit at some point. Is the state of Twitter, which has been fascinating. Yeah, uh,
4: because
0: we did cover that before. But um, yeah, yeah. Uh, So I guess maybe I should just run through the timeline because we're kind of late to the game with this story. Uh, Yeah, it really hit its peak a week ago, probably more. Um, But uh, yeah, basically uh yay um he was on twitter and he made a a bit of a controversial tweet that was a bit of it, a little bit vague and confusing about uh going defcom on jewish people um he meant to say defcom but i guess he spelled it wrong um uh this is we've talked about the daily wire a bit this is something that fascinated me, about. there's just, this is probably why I got a little obsessed. Cause like I've been following conservative media and stuff like that, the state of things and following different commentators takes on various topics. And, uh, this created a very interesting situation regarding the daily wire in that, um, one of the main guys there, Ben Shapiro is Jewish. Um, uh, but then there's also Candace Owens who's friends with Ye, has been for a bit. Um, and uh, she came out initially after that tweet with a a bit more of a defensive take, uh, basically like it looks like he was hurt by some Jewish friends, and this tweet's a little vague as to what he's what he means, and so I think we need to listen and figure out what's going on. And Ben Shapiro was immediately like, "No, it's anti-Semitic. Cut it out." And so it's like I was like, "Okay, I'm looking at it from the lens of like, well, this is interesting how this could divide conservative media," um, and of course the left was uh, gleeful to see uh, a little bit of <laughs> apparent racism from the right. They love to see that to prove, you know, to prove their points and all that. Um, so then uh, let's see what happened after that. Um, next thing I remember anyways, I'm sure I'm skipping some of the major sort of beats in the story, but eventually he was on uh, Tim Poole's podcast. Have you ever watched Tim, Timcast IRL? Um,
1: I think I've watched a couple.
0: Yeah. Oh, so th- this happened. Oh, I skipped what led to the Tim uh, episode. Um, he ended up <laughs> getting together with Miley Annapolis and, oh darn, where does his name go? Uh, uh, super, almost more important of a name at this point. <laughs> um, uh, well the, um, it- it'll come to me when I stop thinking about it. Um, but, Milanopoulos <laughs> and the other um pretty well known uh white supremacist guy uh got together oh. with uh Ye and they went to uh see Donald Trump at Mar-a-Lago. Um and uh boy, what's his name? I'm gonna have to look it up. This is gonna drive me crazy. Um Nick Fuentes. Nick Fuentes. That's it. Thank you. Um <laughs> Yeah. And so Nick Fuentes, now this is interesting. I want to say this right up front here to future, uh, commenters on this video. Um, this story has made me question, like lose faith in humanity. What little faith I had in humanity, uh, uh lessened as this happened, because so you maybe saw, I think you saw something I tweeted, put on Facebook, whatever, it basically, I knew anti Semitism was a thing, um, but there was like a lot of left wing sort of accusation of such a thing on the right. There's always saying this was a problem on the right. And with Donald Trump, there's a rise in racism, rise in anti Semitism, all this stuff. All these accusations were flying. And I was like, most of this is garbage. I don't believe this. This is, you know, it's all exaggerated. Then I saw Nick Fuentes a long time ago and I was like, oh, well, there's that. <laughs> you're expecting Santa's you're right. Mean squared error. It's clickbait. So, <laughs> well, we're, we're sort of Christmas, Christmas themed. We were before, but anyways, anyways, uh, all this to say, I'm making, I was making a larger point. Um, I, I, I saw Nick Fuentes and his, like he was doing a live stream once. I was like, Oh, so this is the alt, right. The actual alt, right. This is the actual sort of underbelly of the right. That actually is racist. Um, I was like, I was like, okay, well now there's that category. It does exist, but I still think it's over. But at that point I was like, but it's still overblown. That's not the main, that's not the main right wing in, in my mind. Um, then this happened. I still feel that way for the most part, but as I was watching these interviews with yay and reading the comment sections, I was like the, the amount of support his comments were getting were unbelievable to me. And so all that to say, if you're in the comment section, um, uh, you're not going to last long if you start, uh, <laughs> pulling that. Okay. Um, you're not, and also I'll just say based on, uh, all that I've read, none of you are original. You've said the same three comments over and over and over and over again, same Dave Chappelle joke, same, uh, quote from somebody way back. It's like same three things over and over, uh, you think everyone who disagrees with you are sheeple if they aren't anti uh, but you're have the most sheeple comment section I've ever seen. So <laughs> that's my opinion. Shut up. I don't care about your opinion. Okay. I've said it. Um, huh. You got that off my chest anyways. Um, so then after that happened in Mar-a-Lago with Donald Trump, then, um, they, uh, uh Nick Fuentes, Milo Yiannopoulos, yay all went on Tim Cast's show. And after the slightest tiny bit of pushback from Tim cast, um, uh, yay storms out of the podcast. Okay. Next thing, you know, he's showing up with a, uh, Balenciaga mask on Alex Jones. Right. Um, and that's where he said some of his most shocking stuff that most people watching this probably already know about. Um, and, uh, yeah i saw some of that i was like okay he's pretty much um gone in full i think as crazy as alex jones is he made alex jones look pretty uh uncomfortable <laughs> sane in that which was hilarious right. um and uh i would actually say i heard alex jones talking about it afterwards and he's, he actually was like i think he may have hit on kind of what was going on in Ye's head um He's like, I think he kind of got a dopamine hit from saying the most controversial thing he could. Mm. And now he's just pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. Um, and so I think there's so many factors in it with, like, um, bipolar and whatever. I mean, there's yeah. so much you could say about it. That's not to excuse the things he's saying. because Just because you're bipolar doesn't mean you're going to have bad opinions. The two kind of go together and amplify each other, I suppose. I don't know. Um, but then that happened. And then... This is a clip I'll show really quick. Uh, Douglas Wilson actually did a bit of a critique of this video or, about it. Uh, this is um, Gavin McGinnis uh, attempting an intervention. Uh, let's see here. I got to get this right. Um, censored TV. Yeah. So this was Gavin McGinnis uh, attempting an intervention on Yay. So we'll watch just a few minutes at the beginning. Like... Every, like, I think one of the things, again, that sort of drove my, again. I'm monologuing here. I do hope we converse about this after the fact, but I'm trying to get the whole picture. Hope y'all think, don't hope, hope y'all don't think I'm, uh, you know, drowning out Caleb here. I want his commentary on this, but I'm trying to get the full picture. Cause it's all kind of now in the past, we have an overarching view, I'm trying to set it up so we can talk about it a little bit, um, But yeah, this, like, basically one of the things that caused me to really almost obsess about this story for a while was like, I want more clarity. I want Ye to clarify his statements. Does he possibly mean this? Could he possibly have this charitable take? And every time he went to a new interview, he clarified more and more that, yeah, his opinions are actually that bad. (laughs) And so uh, here's McGinnis sort of, in my mind, making sort of the final attempt, giving the most charitable take. The most, like, non-PC but still ex- relatively acceptable take um, on what Ye might be saying. Um, but uh, we'll get Ye's response here.
5: I'm going to have an intervention here for you and Nick. And let me just make Oops. a case. Yes. Yes. There are... Uh, Sorry. Almost 80 to 90% of Hollywood is Jewish. Probably more. Um Media, yeah, I'm going to say like 80% of media is Jewish, but I see the Jews we're talking about in these cases as liberal elites, high IQ people, whites, and when you have, like they're disproportionately represented in medicine too, because they have high IQs. So the problem isn't these these Jews that and most of them are secular Jews, atheists. I don't see Soros as Jewish. So we have these secular, mostly atheist Jewish people with high IQs who dominate fields that tend to require high IQs. They're they're overrepresented in. See,
0: he's he's even getting risky in his defense here, in that he's like pushing towards what some uh, demonize as you know uh, race essentialism in terms of IQ. There's some pretty extreme views on that, is how much you want to differentiate different races based on IQ. He's willing, to, he's willing to go that far and entertain that possibility in order to say, okay, but we still, well, you'll get his point here.
5: Chess and mathematics too. So the real issue here, and there is an ethnomasochism, there is some sort of like, let's burn it to the ground.
0: You know, apparently uh, Ye um, booted Milo Yiannopoulos. Milo Yiannopoulos is actually, I guess, Jewish. <laughs> and uh, and then um, apparently Milo came out and set in, became honest and said he, the only reason he brought the, the guys to Donald Trump was to uh, make Donald Trump's life miserable. Cause uh, well, there's a whole backstory there with Milo and his um, actual motives and opinions. We won't get into him, but um, anyways, uh, so now it's just yay.
5: And Nick Fuentes here. Um, so, but I think that trait is a white trait, a liberal elite white trait. Oh, not even white per se, a liberal elite trait. Kamala Harris, Barack Obama, they also have these traits. And there's some sort of like lemming DNA in white people where when they reach a certain amount of success, they just want to take it off a cliff. And I don't like when Jews get pulled into that because when I think of my Orthodox Jewish friends and and even my Hasidic friends, these people are conservative, Trump supporting, you know, American patriots. And the Jews that are getting lumped in with uh, this sort of ethnomasochistic cultural suicide tend not really to be Jewish. I call them ginos, Jews in name only. It's liberal elite whites you should have a beef with. Yeah,
3: but I lump them all in together. That's what I did. That's how, Okay, that's, that's good. The,
5: that's why the tweet said that, Jewish people. Okay.
0: Okay. <laughs> so, do,
5: <laughs> so then he uh, pushes a little more to get some clarity here. But this trait, like, you know, blacks are overrepresented in violent crime. But when you meet an individual black person, you don't apply that. You start with a fresh slate every time you meet someone. Do you do that with Jews? Nope. (laughs) 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 This intervention isn't going very well.
0: (laughs) So there you go. I think that's all we need to see. Um, See, like, oh boy. Um, And this is what, the the differentiation I've seen, like this is what's so frustrating in the comment sections where it's like Gavin McGinnis is willing to go so far as to say, sure. They're like overrepresented in a lot of these fields that require high, high IQs and stuff like that. What he's rejecting is the conspiratorial nature of it where they're colluding with one another. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and that's where like everyone kind of wanted that clarity for me. It's like, are you, are you just saying they're overrepresented? Is that all you're saying? Uh, yeah. Or are they conspiring literally conspiring against you? And he's like, "Nope, they're conspiring against me." It's yeah. like, "Nope, his opinion <laughs> is as bad as it can possibly get." And yeah. this is like um and this is where the comment sections are driving me crazy. Again, I don't care about your opinion if you show up in the comment section about this. You have you're not <laughs> you're not unique and you're not original in your opinions. Okay. <laughs> um uh so yeah, um uh, 80% of media and Hollywood is Jewish. Is that what he said? Uh, I mean, Gavin McGinnis might be pushing it too far in order to give the best reading of what yay is saying, but like, uh, that might be a way overinflated number, but it might not be. I mean, it's, 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 it is very extreme. Um, the representation of Jewish people in the media. I mean, it's, it's very high. Um, you can get in trouble for saying that, but I mean, it's, it's true. They, they, um, are very successful culturally right now. It's true. The, the Semitic bit comes in when you say they're conspiring with one another or that they're by nature conniving or, uh, running the world. You know, that's the yeah. conspiracy theory, anti Semitism that Kanye West is promoting. Um, yeah. And so <laughs> there's the big picture now. Okay. <laughs> I think I've painted it explicitly enough. What are your thoughts now, Caleb? Have I added anything <laughs> to the conversation for you?
1: I think I'm done listening to his uh, Jesus album he put out a couple years yeah. ago.
0: Yeah, um,
1: yeah. I mean, it's 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 jarring, you know. Uh-huh. It, it makes me very concerned for him. Oh yeah. Um, I, I've I've watched this from a distance. I've never been a massive Kanye fan by any means. Yeah. I, I well, don't I, listen. I think we
0: were all maybe a little excited when he was like right, becoming, right. yeah, you know, Christian with his music and there, all that there was
1: stuff. A... There was a hope there. I mean, yeah. me and uh, the the former lead pastor of our our church, Derek Lewandowski, we we used to do a podcast called Grace Walk, and we talked. We had a we had a bonus episode, totally directed at Kanye when he released that album. Yeah. Um, and I think something that we mentioned in that I think keeps coming back into my mind when I think about where he's at now, and that was. I have, a, I have a very big concern about um, celebrities or athletes or any, anybody like that that gets thrown up on a platform immediately after making some kind of profession of faith. And uh, I, I think the concern that I have is nobody's discipling these people. And, and I, I think with Kanye, there's probably some deeper-seated issues than just he's fizzling out as somebody who's allowing celebrityism to get to him. I think he is addicted to to celebrityism and and is notorious for his ability to make everything about himself yeah um it's just this is all
0: part of his presidential campaign by the way
1: yeah it's heartbreaking to watch
0: yeah well the the interesting thing about him early on um the earlier thing the, the thing early on it was like i guess he was supposedly what gave kind of some reformed people hope was he was being yeah. supposedly discipled by a pastor who went to master seminary, uh, you know, John MacArthur's whole thing. So, and he was like, in some interviews, he's talking about expository preaching and a lot of gospel centered statements. You could yeah. see some of those influences that were there early on during this supposed conversion where it was like, Hmm, let's see where this yeah. goes. Um, apparently that's just not the case anymore. Uh, All just right. continuing to cut off people, cut off people. Um, yeah. Uh <laughs> I mean, w- one theory I had, this is my most at this point, this is my most optimistic take is that okay, um buckle for this. Maybe he really is saved. Okay. Uh God is allowing him to stumble to this extent so that he's actually finally out of public life decisively. Yeah. Uh and actually actually loses his celebrity status and becomes, you know, and is yeah. actually on his own so that he hits bottom and actually maybe that's what this is what it takes. Yeah. Um for him to be sanctified.
1: So I'm um, I'm about to bring it full circle. Okay. Perhaps a verse that applies to both its a wonderful life and Kanye West. Okay. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his own soul? <laughs> Matthew sixteen. There you go. Yeah, I, I I think just in general, if you're you're possibly, and I hope probably, onto something with that, that the Lord and His sovereign purposes would allow Kanye to make a complete fool out of himself. I almost said something else. Um, complete fool out of himself, <laughs> and um, and say, I mean, I, I will be really. Straightforward. These are very hurtful things that he's saying, mm-hmm. um, but maybe he is permitting him to completely lose all of this celebrityism for the sake of his soul. Because what matters more here—money, mm-hmm. wealth, success—you know, the branding of Ye, Kanye, whatever—no, mm-hmm. none of that matters. None of that. None of that matters. And so, God can strip all that away. For the betterment of of kanye mm-hmm. and i hope I, I don't wish evil on anyone but i i i hope that that is what the lord is doing
0: mm-hmm. you know yeah it's the most optimistic take i can give you yeah yeah uh okay i think that's a pretty good summary i i, I was aching to talk about this at some point um with the the amount of time <laughs> i've w- wasted in investing wondering what the heck's going to happen with this yeah uh yeah uh I, we didn't even touch on the whole twitter bit we don't need to no, don't need to um we need to kind of t- maybe touch on twitter like last time we talked about twitter we were it was right on the verge of elon buying it finally yeah and we were giving our takes on whether it would happen whether it would be good or bad uh
1: I think it happened within like 36 hours of that conversation.
0: That's right. Like you gave your take. You're like, yeah, I think it's going to happen. And I was like, I'm leaning that way, but it's kind of weird. I don't know. And then it happened. So, uh, and now there's a billion opinions about what he's doing with it. Um, yeah. And, uh, maybe that's worth future conversation for a future yeah. headline of the week, but it's time to move on from headline of the week. Are you ready for our theology corner? Indeed. Alrighty. So, uh, what are we talking about this week?
1: We're talking about the regulative principle versus the normative principle.
0: Yes. And what does that have to do with Christmas?
1: Ah. Because I did children. promise
0: we're going to be talking <laughs> back, we're going to be circling back around to Christmas for our final segment here. So, what what does that have to do with Christmas? And what does yes, it even mean?
1: I think, I think the reason you brought it up was to talk about uh, how the holidays impact our worship um specifically you know i mean i i assume this is kind of the route we're going to take but um you know even at our church at grace life you know we do an advent series we sing some christmas hymns advent hymns all that kind of stuff we even have a christmas tree
0: (gasps) oh (laughs) but it oh well okay (laughs) yep Yep. (laughs) all right um okay so The reason we ask the question, this might be a surprising question to some, but uh, there's a lot of Christians out there for various reasons who think that Christians should not celebrate Christmas or a a variety of holidays. Um, Why is that? There's a couple reasons we could talk about. A couple come to mind and maybe more than one relate to the conversation. But uh, what what comes to mind first when you hear about this?
1: Uh, Typically, when I hear about it from people, um, I... I want to be kind of gracious with it, but there is an argument that gets kind of under my skin and gets a little bit annoying. Um, but usually it is from the side of, well, you know, Jesus wasn't born in December and uh, you know,
0: which, he, which I
1: want to be accurate, he wasn't.
0: Actually, but, well, that's a that's another part of the conversation. Actually, there was an interesting It's possible he yeah. was between December and January.
1: Right. There was an interesting article, and I meant to look it up. Um, uh, saw it last year maybe, and it, it it poked holes in almost all of these arguments.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And, uh huh. And it's actually by it's by a guy who I actually probably disagree with based on the regulative principle. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, mainly because he is a strict ad, uh, adherent to it, and I'm not as strict. Uh, but he, he did, a uh, we still article. have to define
0: what that means, but yeah. we'll get to that. We'll get there. Uh, Kevin DeYoung. Uh, <laughs> oh. I, I do
1: appreciate Kevin DeYoung, but he's, he's pretty, you know, strict yeah, but on his regular. I think he probably likes
0: Christmas though, doesn't he?
1: But he does. He does like Christmas. Okay. Um.
0: I love but, Kevin DeYoung. He's like one of my yeah, earliest reformed I, influences.
1: Yeah. And one of his books makes it into my like top two books that everybody should read. Uh-huh. Um. So yeah, but he he poked a bunch of holes through the whole like um Christians celebrating it because they wanted to uh basically pacify the Romans and and all this stuff it's really the celebration of uh the pagan gods uh Saturnalia or Sol Invictus or whatever. Um, Some of the Roman cults and stuff like that. I've got
0: to talk about that. Well, we're going to look at a little bit of a Lutheran satire video relating to that, which
1: is amazing. Um, I'm only
0: going to do maybe a quarter of it because, again, you know, copyright, although I don't think Lutheran satire would care. But go ahead.
1: Yeah. But yeah, so um, that's typically where people go. They they try to connect the dots to like pagan worship and um, how this was just to appease them. And we, you know, we Christians really know what it's you know that those things are you know conspiracies and what.
0: Yeah, blah, but blah, blah. but there's there's a big issue I have with that that I'll mention uh, as we. Do you want since you're talking about that now? Do you want to keep talking about that, or do you want me to actually show the video because it relates? Uh, because uh, you probably i don't know if you want to Well, it's up to you show the video okay we'll show the video uh because it relates to what you're talking about right now um and it's relevant to comments i'm i want to make but uh yeah anyways let's see here um let me look at this there's the old video oh, we want to go here all right youtube the old youtubes
3: well thanks to all of you for coming out to our service this morning and i pray that the rest of this christmas day is wonderful for each and every one of you
2: not so fast preacher man Behold, it is I, Horus, Egyptian god of the sun. And while you all believe that you've been celebrating the birth of your Lord Jesus, you've really been celebrating the birth of me. For you see, thousands of years before your Jesus came around, I, Horus, was born on December 25th. I, Horus, was
0: born of a virgin.
2: I, Horus, was baptized by a man called Arnop the Baptizer, was crucified in...
0: the that sounds like a like a Yu Gi Oh reference or something. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Resurrected right three baptizer. days later, so you see, your Jesus is nothing more than plagiarized poppycock, and I, Horus, have come to feast upon the sorrow of you foolish Christians.
3: Yeah, none of the stuff you just said is true.
2: Yes, it is. Yes, no, it is. there's
3: no reference in Egyptian mythology to Horus being crucified or resurrected three days later. There's no documentation anywhere for the existence of a figure named Anup the Baptizer. Horus, his mother, was not a virgin woman but the goddess Isis. And there is no specific date anywhere tied to the birth of Horus.
2: I'm pretty sure there is.
3: Actually, no. All of these claims and many others indicating that early Christians yoinked the mythology of Horus and stuck it on top of Jesus were all completely made up by Gerald Massey, a 19th century cuckoo banana bird self-taught Egyptologist who never provided the slightest shred of evidence for any of these claims and who was laughed out of the room by every serious Egyptologist on the planet. So thank you very much for your attempt to ruin our celebration of Christ's birth, but I'm afraid we're all still having a very Merry Christmas miss horace
2: horace did i say my name was horace no 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 what i meant to say was behold it is i mithras roman mithras. cultic god of the something something and why you all believes that you've been celebrating Okay,
0: i don't want to <laughs> watch the entire thing but he goes through like three different ones and then he ends on a ghostbusters villain <laughs> um I recommend you look up the video. I'll I'll probably I should have put it in the description. I'll probably add it afterwards and then when I upload this as a chapter, I definitely want to link to it. But hilarious video, actually informative yeah. while being funny. But one thing I wanted to point out with that, that's interesting is that it, he talks about the um original scholar who like made that stuff up. Yeah. A lot of Christians hear these things and they don't realize the motives of the people who spread these things in the first place. They weren't just trying to debunk Christmas, they were trying to debunk Christianity. Right. Um, so why on earth are we taking their opinion seriously about Christmas? It makes no sense to me. Um, but like that's one objection Christians have had to to Christmas. Um that it's that it has pagan origins in some way. They don't go with a full you know, the full way and say, well, Christ is debunked, but they'll say, well, the holiday in its present form was like, a, it was a use of pagan, you know, um, traditions. And it was reinterpreted in, or reformed into something compatible with Christianity, basically. Right. And so To we make sh- Christianity we sh-
1: palatable or something.
0: Right, right. And a lot of the time, like, the, I, I asked this question on social media a while back. I was like, wait a second. Let's just say for a second that that's true. That Christmas actually was a reformatting of pagan celebrations or something like that. Um, uh, mean Squared Air has got a comment. Uh, I'll get to that. But, um, my point, my, the question I asked was like, look, let's say that's all true. It's a reformatting of pagan religions to make it more Christian. Are you saying that that if I therefore celebrate Christmas and in my mind, in my heart, I'm worshiping Christ, it somehow gets transferred to the worship of an, an idol. Like, is that what you're saying? Like, how do we, how does this work exactly if you're right? You know, uh, I don't yeah. know. <laughs>
1: I think there's a common thread um in some of those conspiracy ideas. I lump that into conspiracy ideas. Yeah. Um where there's like this belief that somehow as a Christian you can accidentally begin to worship something other than Christ. Yeah, it's the accident. When you are in when you are intending to worship Christ. That drives that me crazy. Me, me intending to worship Christ will somehow accidentally become an atheist, or like, like first of all, um, if you are in the reformed world and you somehow believe that can happen, shame on you because that goes against the very core of your reformed theology. Second, if you are a Christian, I would like to introduce you to some of these doctrines and, and <laughs> help you to understand why there's no accidental worship going on. Mm-hmm. Um, y- there was something that went around during the time of COVID about masks and accidentally becoming a Muslim if you wear a mask. That by wearing a mask, you're identifying. <laughs> I've never as a Muslim. heard that
0: one. That's amazing.
1: It 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 made me so angry when I read this. And and I I'm sorry, but that's just not how belief works. It's mm-hmm. not how worship works. You know. So yeah. yeah. I, uh, it's it's it lame arguments that go to a very anti-biblical understanding of how worship actually works
0: okay so okay so that's one objection to christmas um that it's pagan but there is another one i think is a little more interesting of a conversation honestly i mean one's interesting because it's hilarious the other one's interesting because it does raise some interesting questions what is now let's get back to what you mentioned before what about this issue of regulative what is regulative principle versus normative principle what do these mean
1: so, uh, just off of a cursory refresher that I did today, uh the regulative principle maintains that scripture gives specific guidelines for conducting our worship right um and really, that churches shouldn't add anything beyond those guidelines mm-hmm. um so it's common that in churches that that practice this regulative principle. Um it it's it's common that there's no instrumentation in their music in their praise. Yeah, I have
0: I have I have fam, a close family member who's in a church right now that uh there's yeah. no instrumentation and you were probably about to mention it, but uh they're also exclusive psalmody, which means um yeah. they only sing from the Psalter. Uh they don't which uh isn't well, I won't give my opinion on it yet, but uh go yeah. ahead and continue yeah. defining <laughs> Um, I do think it tends to be more common amongst reformed churches,
1: but there is a Pentecostal, I will say, branch of all this too. Um, I don't know if they would claim the regulative principle, but um, UPC and other variations of it. Um, there are there are some uh, what what is it is it um, there's a Church of Christ variant that doesn't use instrumentation.
0: Oh, that's right. Um,
1: yeah. Yep. Yeah. And and because of this idea of the specific guidelines for conducting corporate worship. Mm-hmm. Um so they're going to be in its most extreme, in its most extreme of this, they're going to be very strict on things like um women and women's dress in the service, um the order of service and spiritual gifts. Um you know, I guess it goes down the 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 list of of what it might be but they're not going to include things that are outside of scriptural um guidance guidelines and so just because there's something that's traditional um in a church they might not accept that just because human traditions accept it
0: right they yeah and so i guess historically the representatives of this that i've heard like like luther martin luther would have been more of a normative principle and like john calvin would have been more uh, a regulative principle. Um I guess the best summary I heard was like regulative is there's these specific instructions we have of what we are to do in worship mm-hmm. and unless it is uh prescribed in scripture you don't you don't do it basically. Whereas yeah. the normative principle is it is permitted unless it's forbidden explicitly. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Um, I
1: would say the the thing that has to be understood about the normative, in case you are coming from the regulative standpoint, is nobody in the normative principle that I'm aware of—maybe some extreme um, examples, but nobody I um, know—is going into how they arrange their worship services, going, I don't care what the Bible says, we're doing it this way, Mm -hmm. you know? Right. Um, There might be some extremes, of course, because there's extremes in everything— and there might be some misguided things going on, mm-hmm. um, which probably more or less comes down to a misinterpretation of some scriptural elements. Mm-hmm. Um, but the people I know typically tend to approach the normative idea of things is that if it's not expressly forbidden by scripture, it can be used in corporate worship if it's done wisely and, uh, in in I guess, in, in good practice, not... Not trying to be disruptive, not trying to overindulge. Um, an example of that might be the use of instrumentation in in worship. It might mm-hmm. be um, the use of PowerPoint in in presenting the scriptures.
0: Yeah, and that's that's sort of the thing I found about regu- people who call themselves regulative, as embracing the regulative principle. They tend to kind of vary in application, even though they go by the same label. And that there's plenty of people who call themselves regulative who do use instruments uh, or do sing things outside of the Psalms. Um, It's just like they have a broader interpretation of what scripture is prescribing. It says like sing songs to the Lord. It's like, well, we interpret that as, Mm. you know, we're allowed to write a new song. It's that's, you know. Um, Yeah. And so and so I feel like there's a lot of people who are regulative that you would think they're normative. It's just their interpretation is different and maybe vice versa. There's people who are normative, but they're incredibly, you know, uh, centered on what scripture says to do in worship, you know, but how does this relate to Christmas?
1: Yeah. So I think the, the adding of anything related to Christmas to certain regulative principled people, um, could be seemed as, could be seen as being unscriptural.
0: Right, particularly, yeah, like holiday Christmas elements in the service for one, but yeah. then, like, just generally the celebration of extra biblical outside of scripture, you know, uh, yeah. holidays. Um, uh, now, uh, I, I mentioned Mike Winger when we were talking before. Um, just I think we're sort of by our tone communicating our opinion on all of this we're both pretty open to Christmas. <laughs> we're mm-hmm. well, I mean, you already mentioned, yeah, we have a Christmas tree in our service. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> uh, and, you know, we have a, we have, you know, a lot of themed preaching and worship going on right now, uh, surrounding Christmas, you know, happily. Um, and, uh, and so, uh, wh- one, you know, one pushback that I, I heard, um, I'm not fully prepared to argue for this but i heard it and it's an interesting point i mentioned mike winger uh i saw a sermon portion from him where he's talking about um whether or not we should have extra biblical holidays and um yeah. apparently there's evidence like uh that jesus himself uh, observed some traditional celebrations that were not in the old testament which would have been their scriptures at the time um, there were holidays that developed out of the intertestamental period between the old and new Testament. And, uh, I guess whatever it's called now, Hanukkah, uh, season of lights or, or whatever. Um, there's evidence of, apparently in scripture that Christ partook in that, uh, and didn't object to it. I mean, there's obviously plenty of human traditions that violated the word of God that he did object to, um, yeah. But uh, apparently, that wasn't one of them, if that's true. So that's inter- that's an interesting point that I would say lends credence to the normative take, perhaps. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, yeah, it, it, that's an interesting thing. You know, I, when you brought that up earlier, I, I definitely want to check that out because yeah. I I don't think I've ever heard that. But um, you know, I guess it wouldn't it wouldn't be all that shocking, considering by the time of Jesus life and ministry that was a pretty normal thing Mm -hmm. um in jewish life so you know not that shocking if he was participating in it yeah um yeah i I think for me i I don't i think i think most people who fall on perhaps the more extreme regulative principle scale would probably say i'm completely normative and i would say that i'm probably a little bit of both in some ways like Uh I guess maybe where I fall is I think we're both in their best versions try to fall, and that's that the scripture should guide us. Right. Um, I, I do think that we have some liberty with the way that a worship gathering takes place. I think there are some things that are essential. Yeah. Um, first of all, I think for a worship gathering to be called a worship gathering, um, it needs to be the ecclesia, it needs to be the local expression of the body of Christ. Yeah. Um I the think a assembling... good sorry.
0: Oh, go ahead. No, I think a good principle I heard sort of general guideline of it was like you kind of start regulative, get your instructions of what elements should be included in the service. Yeah. And include them all. Um but and then if you want to add something, uh don't add it if it's going to remove one of the things that's essential. Um yeah. like fit all the essential things in and then whatever else there is like then consider that. Um but once one of them is deleted, then then there's probably an issue.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, so I think it's the assembling of the saints. I believe that there is the fellowship of the saints. There's the hearing of the word. There is the singing aspect. I believe that singing should be essential. Um, now how many instruments instruments are used is i guess up to the local expression if there's an Um, electric
0: guitar though you're of the devil that's we know um
1: yes so you know that's obvious uh (laughs) hesitations chapter four yes um
0: percussion is probably (laughs) demonic (laughs) oh (laughs) there's lots to be said i've heard (laughs) lots of
1: things i've heard lots of things um yeah you know like uh the preaching i believe is is essential Um, I, I believe that that can look a lot different than what it looks like in most American traditions. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if, if it looks like something you might find in North Korea, where it's a family of three hidden under a blanket, quietly whispering the scriptures to one another and encouraging one another in Christ. Um, I believe that that's an expression of that. Mm-hmm. um you know in some of those situations it might be really hard to argue for the regulative principle yeah um that, that i guess that's one thing that needs to be said in that you know but i i think that we also have freedom to here's a here's an acts 29 word for you not not exclusively but mm-hmm. um the church planting network that we're part of we have liberty to contextualize what it looks like so what it looks like in avon new york in some ways may not look exactly the same way as it looks in la california now the essentials need to probably re- remain the same in that you know most basic understanding of it but there are certain things that are going to look a little bit different where we are um definitely across the world you know like i mentioned north korea but like pick a country in the con- on the continent of Africa, things are going to look a little bit different, especially with the music and, you know, the 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 expression of people's, um, I, guess, I guess, how do I want to say it? The expression of their worship, I feel like that kind of cheapens the word worship a little bit. But um, the expression of the people's joy and involvement in the, the gathering, I think, will look different if it's under a tree um, in the woods somewhere, or if it's in a building with lots of tradition and, and years of history.
0: Yeah. Mean squared error says Evan New York gave us the first Tom walls. What a great little town. I guess he's heard (laughs) of us. Our church is in a plaza, literally right behind that Tom walls. Yes. So come on by and get a burger.
1: If you you find the Tom walls, you can find us. Yes. All right.
0: That's a lovely summary. I think Uh, that's a, I think we basically gave our opinion and, uh, rebutted a couple things, at least insofar as we were able, I know there's much more, I mean, there might be some reformed people, real conservative reform people who watch this, uh, who are strict, regulative and disagree. And I know they, they tend to have, I, I hope we didn't straw man too much. We joked around a bit. Yeah. Um, I know they have some pretty well-developed, uh, arguments surrounding the regulative principle, um, when I say well developed I don't necessarily mean I, I agree that they're good arguments but I think hmm. they're they're well established and uh <clears throat> they um they took a you know they're they're pretty solid in the sense that they're hard to let go of uh and yeah. so um maybe some of what we said came off as a bit dismissive I don't know but we disagree <laughs> at least in so far as they're applying <laughs> it in this case And so, uh, sorry if we, you don't feel we fully articulated your full argument, but, um, that's our take at least, (laughs) at least, yeah. Hope that makes sense. Uh, cool Cola says, um, Merry Christmas in case I'm working next week. Well, hello and Merry Christmas. We've got up to five people. Now this is a pretty solid stream. Not everyone's commenting, but, uh, yeah, we usually have like two, five is an improvement. (laughs) <laughs> and and that's after being gone for you know a month. So hey, yeah, forever. Cool. Any closing thoughts, sir? Um
1: yeah, uh enjoy enjoy your your Christmas celebration if you have grace for that. Mm-hmm. Um and I guess I'll say it this way. Um if you don't feel the liberty to do so, uh let me encourage you that there's therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So um, if you choose not to celebrate,
0: there's grace for that too. Yes. Oh shoot i I want to. Th- I, I kind of want to throw a monkey wrench in and tackle a separate question, but <laughs> darn it, I was going to ask this. There's some people who get very upset uh, when a church changes its worship scheduling because of Christmas. Mm.
1: Uh, yes, um, and that's where me and Kevin DeYoung probably disagree.
0: Yes. Explain. Um. So, we
1: at Grace Life, the elders specifically made the determination this year to not gather on Sunday, uh, the twenty-fifth, which is Christmas day,
0: but it will be um, Christmas Eve.
1: We will be gathering on Christmas Eve. Now, there are, there are, there are arguments that I will say are solid arguments as to gathering on the Lord's Day and making that a priority um, and and those things. Um, And and I I would agree with that. Um, It is a priority. Um, But we also um, know that, you know, first of all, there's no law saying that you should have to. Um, And if you don't comply or in obedience, you've lost anything with God or something like that. Yeah, this is a tricky
0: thing, I think, for us Reformed-ish folks, are Reformed, yeah. in that uh, there is a much more established argument as to why, like, among confessional Reformed people, there's a much more established yeah. doctrine of the Lord's Day that I think, like, we still hold to a tradition of gathering weekly, and in this case, we still will be, but the fact that we move the day at all would violate their more established arguments of the Lord's Day, I think. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I've seen like reform folks on Facebook say like, if you're, is like, if your church isn't gathering for Christmas, find one that and stay there, <laughs> you know? So it, there's some strong yeah. opinions on this. That's why it's there like, are
1: some strong opinions on it. And yeah. I think social media brings that out, you know, especially, uh, especially Twitter, you're going to have a lot of um, lovely arguments on, on there about it. You know, for me, I guess I don't get too into the weeds on it. I, I think, I think operating from a sense of liberty and, and grace is a good starter on these things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think as well, you know, like, God is a God of um, rest, and Jesus is the Lord of the, the the Sabbath, and though I know Sunday is not the Sabbath—we're not going there, that's not what I'm trying to say— um, I, I think that there is a sense that um, the way that we worship, the way that we gather, the way we do things with our family, with our friends— uh, we have liberty to occasionally do some things different. I mean, what's the difference between that and taking a vacation where you don't attend a worship gathering that Sunday? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I don't see it. I don't see that being um that much of a different thing. Some would object uh, to that. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're welcome to do so. Mm-hmm. Um I I just I disagree. I don't see that as being um a hard and fast rule. But having said that, I, I do believe that the gathering is important. Yeah. Um I might argue that sometimes we diminish other types of gatherings for mm-hmm. the sake of overemphasizing the Sunday gathering. Mm-hmm. I, I think that gathering in smaller gatherings is very important to the life of the body. Um and and yet we're we're willing to take weeks and weeks off, sometimes entire summers off from things like small groups and and other things but we're we're will never willing to take a sunday off Mm -hmm. um and i think that sometimes that communicates are unintentionally pretty pretty legalistic
0: Mm -hmm. means quarter says does the heap family attend that church that they do that they do yes yes indeed and then Kukola quotes uh Second Timothy three sixteen all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished to all good works. Yes, indeed. And that is why, at the very least, it should guide our worship. Although I'm not sure if he's uh making an argument for the regular principle or something like that by quoting it, but um I'd say both sides would uh employ that doctrine to establish our worship for sure. Yeah. Regardless. But anyways, good summary. I threw in a last minute, (laughs) something there, but.
1: And and I would be willing on, on this topic. Like this is not, this is whether we gather on Christmas morning is not one that I'm, it's not a hill I want to die on. Um, So if I'm wrong on that, I'm willing to be corrected on Mm. that. I just haven't seen anything compelling enough at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, to make me be like, hey guys, we absolutely have to do something.
0: Yeah. All right. So uh, I think that'll about do it. We touched on everything. We uh, were pretty thorough, I think. I had fun. Did you have fun? I did. I did. All right. Well, uh, thank you everybody for uh, showing up. And um, I don't know. uh, Next week is going to be the 23rd. Um, Do you have any... Big plans surrounding Christmas that would uh, forbid a uh, pre-Christmas show. Mm,
1: I'll have to get back to you because I don't really know. Yeah, <laughs> I know it gets it gets a little bit crazy for me and my family because the 24th, as we just previously mentioned, we do have a Christmas Eve gathering, and it's it's two gatherings, and mm-hmm. I, you know, being the one who's preaching at it, I'm preaching both services, so my Christmas Eve is rather busy. So sometimes we do some things the night before the eve of the eve if
0: you yes will. my dad says good night from your moderator you didn't introduce me yes my dad is now <laughs> i think our first official moderator in the chat um he's been uh, doing some algorithm study on the channel so he might be helping us out behind the scenes in the future we'll see um well i mean it's pretty official at this point he's already helped me out a bit so it's not really a we'll see <laughs> um but uh yes so um yeah, that'll about do it. Um and we'll see about next week. I think it works for me. I'm gonna be having a four day weekend from work, so that'll be nice. Um so whether we do something or not, perhaps I'll put something out uh by next week and uh we'll see about the live show. So stay stay tuned. I'll perhaps post um perhaps I'll perhaps post like the thumbnail and the scheduled show if we if we make it official in conversation soon. Um But uh, until then, we'll see you all around in the next one. Thank you so much for watching. Nighty night.